Who knows what Christmas is all about? Well, we are in episode two of our Rethinking Advent series. And I hope your week's going well so far. Today in the episode, we're going to be looking at the timing of the Advent. There's a lot of speculation that people have of what year and what time of year these events may have taken place. So let's try and tackle the year first. Now, it may not be obvious, but our calendaring system is a bit flawed. The Gregorian calendar is the global standard for the measurement of dates. And despite originating in the Western Christian tradition, its use has spread throughout the world, and it now transcends some of those religious, cultural, and linguistic boundaries that it originally had. And as most people are aware, the Gregorian calendar is based on the supposed birth date of Jesus Christ. Subsequent years count up from that event and are accompanied by either an AD or more recently a CE, common era, while preceding years count down from it and are accompanied by either BC or BCE. And most in the Western Christian tradition, we use the designations BC and AD, where BC stands for before Christ and the AD stands for Anno Domini, the Latin term for in the year of our Lord. I don't know if you've ever asked this question before, but why is BC phrased in the English where AD is a Latin phrase? And it's kind of interesting. I looked into it a little bit this week and I found out that the era that we now call BC used to be known as ACN, an abbreviation Ante Christum Natum. And I probably butchered that, but it's Latin for before the birth of Christ. And why the terminology changed from that Latin phrase to English is a matter of speculation. But most would acknowledge that the serious use of phrases for the era before the birth of Christ really didn't begin until the early 17th century, after the language had already shifted to English. So that's likely why we ended up using BC standing for before Christ. It was Dionysus the Humble, a Christian monk from the sixth century, that originally calculated the year of the birth of Christ, and he slotted that for the year 1 AD. Eventually, his year count was used by Pope Gregory XIII when he revised the Julian calendar and instituted the Gregorian calendar that we now use. But Dionysus's calculation for the date of Christ's birth was only later found to be faulty. And so as we look at the birth of Christ and what year it may have been in, we know a few things because by carefully looking at the biblical and extra-biblical writing about things like the death of Herod, the star of the Magi, the 15th year of Tiberius that's mentioned in the scriptures, the year of the census, 46 years of the building of Herod's temple, and the time of the crucifixion. When people look at all of those events, and we know some of the dates of those events, and we contrast them to when Jesus may have been born, it lands us in the BC region. There is no year zero. We go from negative one to positive one in BC AD. But unfortunately, the Herod that's spoken of in the birth story died in 4 BC. Although there have been arguments made that he may have died in 5 BC or in 1 BC. But the Gospel of Matthew claims that he tried to kill baby Jesus. 
And if we're to assume that he died in 4 BC, then that places the birth of Jesus squarely in the BC realm. I'd like to reference a journal article for today's episode, and I'll be pulling some quotes from The Chronology of the Life of Christ by Schaff. He says, Yet in the absence of a precise date, and in view of uncertainties in calculation, there is still room for difference of opinion between the years 7 BC as the earliest and 4 BC as the latest possible date for the year of Christ's birth. So as we begin thinking about Advent, we don't know exactly the year, but we can certainly narrow it down reasonably. The next question we would ask is maybe what time of year? Obviously, we celebrate on the 25th of December. That's the middle of winter. But are there any clues in the narrative that would give us a clue what time of year? Well, Schaff says that the only indication of the season of the year when our Savior was born is the fact that the shepherds were watching their flocks in the fields at the time. We find that in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And he says this fact points to any other season rather than winter and is therefore not favorable to the traditional date. He does point out that the traditional 25th of December is defended by several people throughout history, but it has no historical authority beyond the 4th century when the Christmas festival was introduced first in Rome. Later in the article, he does go on to say that January 6th has in its favor an older tradition, and it was celebrated in the East in the 3rd century as the Feast of Epiphany in commemoration with the Nativity. But as to the time of year... We really only have the indication that it's likely not in the time of year that we actually celebrate it. Schaff goes on to say this. Other writers have selected someday in February, and then he lists several people that support a February date, or March, he lists a couple there, or April, or September, or even October. Then he mentions one theologian that puts the birth between the middle of August and the middle of November, another one that puts it smack dab in the middle of summer and a third one that leaves it altogether uncertain. When we begin to talk about the timing of the Advent, we have a cultural norm of celebrating it on the 25th of December. But the truth is, that's likely the one time of year that it actually didn't happen. But we don't know what time of year it may have happened. But it would have been a time of year when the shepherds were out in their fields watching their flocks by night. The other thing that comes up in the discussion of the time of year is also that this census was going on, and it's unlikely that the Roman leaders would have had a census happening in the middle of winter, forcing people to travel in the rainiest time of year in the Holy Land. The climate in the Holy Land really has two general seasons. There's a time of year when it doesn't rain at all, and then there's a time of year where it rains quite a bit in the winter. And it's very likely that the census wouldn't have been called in the middle of winter. This would affect how they traveled. Let's talk about the timing actually of Mary and her pregnancy. We do know from Luke 2, 3 that Mary was pregnant. It says, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. The only indication that we have 
about Mary's pregnancy is that she was with child at the time of their travel. But how is this usually depicted? Well, because we're trying to compact the whole story into a short window, we usually depict Mary as traveling nine months pregnant, about ready to give birth. But there's absolutely nothing in the biblical record to suggest that. In fact, had that been the case, it seems like it would have been stated more clearly. The way it is stated, verse 6 of Luke chapter 2, just says, while they were there, while they were in Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to give birth. So while we do know that Mary was pregnant, the timing of her pregnancy during the travel is likely not the picture that we have in our heads. She likely wasn't nine months pregnant. If she was pregnant, but not too far along, she could have traveled like anyone else in the caravan, probably walking most of the way. In fact, the biblical text doesn't say anything about her riding a donkey. And what we will see in future episodes is there is an assumption of animals throughout our Advent tradition. We've installed animals where the narrative doesn't mention them at all. Nazareth is the hometown of Mary and Joseph, and when they are required to travel to their ancestral home, the city of Bethlehem, the couple travels roughly 80 miles, about 129 kilometers, to the city where Christ will ultimately be born. As we approach the Advent story, and we attempt to get it as close to the truth as possible, it's important to make sure that we understand what we may have added to the story. In the next episode, we'll begin to examine the nativity scene, and we'll be looking into the place where Mary and Joseph stayed and gave birth to the Savior. The intro music for the Advent series is Jazzy Bells by D. Yankee. And at the end of each of our episodes in this series, I'm including some music, because it's music that has helped shape our perception of the Advent story and the nativity scene. And sometimes that music is spot on, and sometimes that music adds extracurricular characters. So today, as you consider the Advent story, let's remember that the infant that Mary was carrying from Nazareth to Bethlehem was a holy infant, but he was also an infant born to lowly circumstances. And let's enjoy this song, Infant Holy, Infant Lowly, by Anne Ali. Infant holy, infant lowly, for a better cattle stall. Oxen lowing, little knowing, Christ the babe is Lord of all. Angels winging, praises singing, no wells ringing, tidings Sleeping, shepherds keeping vigil till the morning moon. Saw the glory, heard the story, tidings of a gospel true. Thus rejoicing, free from sorrow, praises voicing, greet the morrow, Christ the best.